Good morning. Our scripture this morning is 3 John 1, verses 1 through 15. If you're using the Black Pew Bible, it's page 1215. <clears throat> the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all, my go, that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers, and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Third John, Cody read that text for us. Turn there if you would. We're going to be looking at this short letter. We're going to cruise through all of these texts. And John's going to introduce us to three men. And I, it shows my age, I guess. Um, I kept thinking about three men, three men. What, what did you think of? I always think about three men and a baby. You think of that too? Yeah, I didn't know. I thought I was going to mention that, but I thought people won't even know what that is. But it's a movie. It's back in 87. Um, it's a... Yeah, it's a... A comedy starring uh, Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg, and Ted Danson. And, and I wanted to say more about the movie. I, I, I haven't seen it in 30 years, but I remember liking that movie and thinking it was really funny. Those are really funny people there. But I didn't want to say too much about the movie because what's happened in the past is I watched movies, you know, decades ago, and I think, oh, I really love that movie. And then I go to watch it again, I have to turn it off because it's so trashy, you know. Um, so I'm not promoting it. If it's, if it's not John Wayne, I'm not promoting it, okay, from the pulpit. But every John Wayne movie is worth watching, and you should. Be, make you a better, especially if you're a boy, make you a better man. Uh, amen. Um, we have, we're in Third John. We finished First John, Second John, now we're in Third John. And we see a theme running throughout each of these epistles of John. And, and the theme is truth in love. And First John teaches us that whoever embraces the truth loves God. But if you love God, you'll also love your brother. Second John teaches us that those who walk in truth will love one another. And here in third John, he's going to teach us how to love one another specifically in that we support those who propagate the gospel, our missionaries, people who are sent out with the goal in mind is to share the gospel and teach truth with others. And here at Beaver, we have some of these missionaries that we support. 
Uh, over here on the wall, Miss Jane has done this for us, and it, she did a great job with it. But we see some of our partners here. We see Dave and Rivers Parton from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, great friends of ours. They're from our church, and they're North American missionaries um, ministering there. They've started a church, and their church, neighborhood church is doing great. We'll go again there this summer. Scott and Jennifer Plath, they're in Rigby, Idaho. Again, Scott's a great expositor, loves the Lord. We, we've been there many, many times, and we, we love that church and uh, the ministry and the work that's going on there. That church is growing. Um, good things are happening. Also, Nico and Lydia Strimpton uh, in Romania, Tigamores, Romania, their Liberty Baptist Church. We love that family. They've been here many, many times, and we've supported their church. In fact, when you eat on Wednesday nights, if you're an adult and you pay money, that money goes to that ministry. And they do camps where they take unchurched kids uh, into the mountains for a week and they share the gospel and teach them the Bible. They've been going to Ukraine, taking supplies and also the gospel, uh, doing ministry there. We also support over 3,600 international missionaries through our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. In our church, we are very generous givers to that offering. We support many missionaries, and Jenny and I were benefited from that offering for, for a decade. We also, about 5,000 North American missionaries through the Annie Armstrong offering that we support. So we have these partners, people who are, that we are supporting as they go out and they take the gospel to those who need to hear it. It's important if we don't get involved and meet the needs of these missionaries who will, right? Not the world. They're not going to do it. It's our job. And so John the Apostle, he has received a report uh, of some difficulties in and around the churches in Ephesus uh, caused by a man named Diotrephes. And John is writing this short letter to Gaius, um, trying to help him know how to deal with these issues. So we're just going to I'm going to introduce you to these three men, or, or help John introduce these three men. The first one is Gaius, there in verses 1 through 8. Now, John writes this letter to Gaius, and he's a leader there in the church. He is, it's a common name. So we have, if you look up, if you, do, uh, if you have a concordance, you look up other guys, well, where is he else in the scriptures? Well, we see several in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14, Romans 16, 23. But this is most likely not one of those guys. It could be, but we don't know. But... Uh, it's a very common name. But notice what he does. He prays. He writes to him that he, he loves him, right, to the beloved Gaius. Now, remember, John, he's the beloved disciple, Aiden. He's the one who was loved by Jesus. And, and now John is calling these other brothers beloved, a beloved Gaius. He loves him. He has a relationship with him, who I love in truth. Notice verse 2. He prays that all may go well. And that you may be in good health, right, physically, as it goes well with your soul. So that's interesting. And he prays that his physical health is as good as his spiritual health. I pray that your physical health is as good as you're, you're doing in your soul, your spiritual. Gaius lived a true-centered lie. John said, I love you in the truth. And... Gaius had embraced the truth, and he was a, obviously a man of God. He, as Ray Steadman says, he didn't preach cream and live skim milk. No, he, he obeyed 
he walked the walk, not just talked the talk. And think about that for a second. If, if your physical condition was like your spiritual condition, how would you be making out? Think about that. How would you be doing physically if it was directly proportional to your spiritual condition? Would you be doing well physically? Somebody think I'd be maybe thinking, I'd have one foot in the grave, right? You, would you be in the ICU? Would you be anemic? Or would you be doing well? It's a question for each of us to, to answer, isn't it? But Gaius was strong spiritually. He was walking in the truth. See this verse 3 re repeated. There's a repetition of 2 John 4. I, re I rejoice greatly to find some of you children walking in the truth. And nothing's better for a pastor than see people that are under his care, obeying the Lord, loving the Lord, loving each other. And John wants to let Gaius know that he is, his faithful walk is being talked about in the churches and there's a good report that's causing John to rejoice. Think about that as well. We've seen this several times where these parishioners in these churches give John joy. Think about John. He is expending energy and effort in prayer and in teaching and shepherding and caring for the flock. And as a result, he has joy as he sees them maturing and, and obeying the Lord and confessing sin and repenting and living out their faith in the world. What about us as a congregation, but maybe individually? Do you have joy in life? Can you say that your life is pretty joyful? Well, if not, like, man, my, my life's not real joyful right now. Well, what could it be that you're a little self-centered, a little self-focused? I mean, here's John. He's been pouring his life into others, and as he sees them grow and mature and make good decisions and give God glory, what does it do? It just gives him joy. And if your life, you can't say is characterized by joy, maybe it's because we've been a little self-focused. And it may be that the, that the people that you're pouring into and you're, you're trying to invest in and pray for and, and encourage, maybe they're just, they're, not, they're wayward and they're not walking with the Lord. Maybe so. That hurts our heart. But maybe it's because we're not investing in anybody at all. I mean, sometimes people say, you know, being a pastor has got to be hard. They always ask about doing funerals and I don't, I don't mind that at all. I, I love doing those because people hear the gospel. But it is a little difficult. Sometimes you carry some of the, the burden, the heaviness, you know, of people's struggles. And, and everybody has struggles at some point in time. You're like, well, I haven't had struggles in a while. It's coming, right? We all have them. And so that's a little difficult sometimes, for sure. You carry a little bit of that weight around. But, man, it seems like there's always, Mark, there's always people in the church that are growing and that are being faithful. And they're, they're fighting off sin in the flesh and they're, Walking in the spirit and being obedient and telling, trying to tell other people and make a difference. These students, you know, uh, hear some of their stories of 
their desire to, not just their classmates, but someone this week, we're talking about looking forward to sharing the gospel with their teacher. Ah, that'll do a preacher's heart good right there, you know. But yeah, there's joy in it, you know. There's, there's, there's heaviness and there's, the, you know, the, the somberness and the mourning, you know. You weep with those who weep, but then you rejoice with those who rejoice. And woo, being a, a, a pastor and a leader of people, to see them faithful, there's joy in it. There's joy in it. Most of the time, it, I, I wouldn't trade this job for anything in the world, right? There's some days I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for it, right? But there is a, a lot of joy in it. Why? Because you're seeing people grow and, and, and learn and make an impact and becoming more like Christ. And we get to bury them. And we get to say awesome things about them. And we get to do their weddings, right? And rejoice then. Jake's not here. We think about old Jake. He's grown a lot, you know, his years. Get to do his wedding and be a part of that. And there's a lot of joy in shepherding and seeing those that you care for. And many of you have people that you're pouring into. You have folks that you influence, not just your own kids, but people in the church, people in the community, people at your work. And you're seeing their lives change. It's like, yeah, that's what it's about. That's living. Yeah. But if that's not you and you don't have joy in your life, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm looking at students and, 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 and young, single adults. Man, if you, if you don't have anybody that you're pouring your life into, you need to be pouring your life into people. As, as you learn, as you grow, you need to be giving that to somebody else. That's, that's what living's all about. There's joy in that. But, but John is joyful because of Gaius and his faithfulness, right? We see this, this truth and this love and this joy all combined here in these epistles, especially here in 3 John. And Gaius, he loves the truth and he loves others who embrace the truth. And You know, folks who have been changed by the truth, we rejoice when others are affected by the truth as well. You know, unity around the love of the truth, rejoicing in this shared um, commitment to the truth, celebrating progress. That's just what we do as a, as a church family. We celebrate one another's progresses, you know. We, we are cheerleaders for one another, and that's just what the church is about. Look at verse 5. Gaius, he's been hospitable to the brothers, sent there to teach, and, and Chase mentioned that this morning. It, there's itinerant preachers and, and the apostles are sending out teachers to the churches to check on them and teach. And, and guys have been very hospitable to them. He didn't know them personally, but he cared for them and he supported them, right? Strangers as they are, John says. And we see this a lot in the New Testament. First Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, we've mentioned this several times, but Paul has started this church, and he was run out of town. He couldn't spend a lot of time there, and so he sends Timothy back with a report. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it, as it has come to pass and just as you know. I mean, it was a hard place. I mean, Paul was run out of town, and he knew that this church was going to suffer, this new started church, these new believers, they're going to suffer persecution. Verse 5, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. He sent Timothy for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news 
of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. So this, this happened a lot. Some would be sent out by the apostles. They're itinerant preachers. They're coming as missionaries to help the church. And, and Gaius had received them and been hospitable and, and, and take care of them meeting their needs, and then sending them on their way. Look at verse 6. Who testified to your love before the church, you would do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. How well are you supposed to take care of these itinerant preachers? Well, your hospitality should be worthy of God himself. I mean, that's quite the treatment there, the red carpet treatment. Yeah, take care of them. Meet their needs. I know that Jenny and I, we were um, benefit, benefactors of, of this um, Beneficiaries, rather, of this support. I mean, we were overseas. The churches at Southern Baptist sending money so that we lived in a third world country. It was hard to live. Medical care was like taking your kids to the vet. It was terrible. And we had dislocated arms and knocked out teeth and contusions and abrasions and all this terrible stuff. And we were able to go to the closest doctor 14 hours away but we were able to go and we were able to get treatment we never had to worry about money I don't even know if I can pay for this or not no we just went and it was paid for yeah we were taken care of that's where we're to treat our missionaries and our ones that are sent out we support them and we take care of them and we help them in any way that we can look at verse 7 and 8 For they gone out, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. I mean, think about it. Gentiles, anytime you see that word in the New Testament, typically it's, it's talking about lost people. It's not a derogatory term, but it was just a term for lost people, people that didn't know God. Who's going to take care of them? Are, are the, the lost people, the worldly people going to take care of them? No, we, we do as a church. That's who takes care of the, the missionaries. God doesn't expect the, the world to pay for his mission. But you know what? God has, has given us everything we need to do that. The resources to fund the mission of God has been given to you and to me. And we're just in charge of, of, of somehow outsourcing that and get it to the people who need it. I mean, you think about the world and what the world's doing. There's a lot of good things going on in the world in, in regard to help, humanitarian aid. You know, there, a lot of people are... Uh, the worldly organizations, they feed the hungry, they clothe the poor, they even house orphans. That's, that's great stuff. That's good stuff. We think about DCS and the things they're doing for kids who don't have parents that can take care of them, don't have family members that can take care of them. Isn't that something? But they, they help place them in homes where they can get care and make sure they're taken care of. But what makes the, the, the mission of God, the mission of the church, so unique is the one thing that they have to offer the world will never offer. See, all these organizations feeding, you know, great organizations, United Way, you know, all these government-funded organizations that are helping folks, good things. There's a need for that. But they're not going to propagate the gospel. Tom Fox, he says, 
the worst thing that can happen to someone is not to be hungry. It's not to be homeless. It's not to be an orphan. But it's to experience hunger, homelessness, in hell without the possibility of relief. That's worse. But we as Christians, as the church, what are we doing? We're, we're, we've got something that can meet that need. So yeah, we, we see these organizations and they're great, but we have the, the remedy for people's souls. People that are at enmity with God. We have the solution. We have the gospel. And that's what all hurting people need, right? In fact, when we support these gospel-preaching missionaries, we're participating in their work. We're even partners with them. Look at verse 8. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. There's some good things going on in the church in Ephesus. Some folks are being hospitable. They're walking in the truth. It means people are, are, are trusting the biblical Jesus. They're using their gifts. They're maturing. Guys, he's not only taught the talk, but he's walked the walk. He has joy. There's joy being given to John because of Gaius and these other church members who are being so faithful. But, but all is not well in Second Baptist Church of Ephesus. The second character... Diotrephes. Look at verse 9 and 10. At some point or another, this man, Diotrephes, has, has gained a position of, of prominence in the church. Maybe he, someone had seen something in him, a, a sign of leadership, a leadership quality, and given him some authority. But now that he has this influence, this position of authority, it's gone to his head, it seems. And Diotrephes was refusing to welcome those traveling evangelists, those traveling missionaries as they came to their church to minister. And, and most likely he was going to forbid this Demetrius who's carrying this letter as well. Look at verse 9. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. I, I'm not sure of the problem. He wanted to be first. That's always a problem. Anytime we want to be first, that's an issue, Right? There's a pride issue. There's a selfishness issue there. Maybe he thinks of John as being, well, oh, John's getting on up there in years, you know. He's an old fogey. Um, I mean, this is... But he's an apostle. And he has authority. But yet, Diotrephes has rejected his authority. I can imagine Dietrich saying something like this. Well, you walk with the Savior, and you were dearly loved by him, and you might have been one of his closest friends. Maybe you were his best friend. And, yeah, you were at the transfiguration, and you saw countless miracles performed, and you, you reclined at Jesus' side at the Last Supper, and you were the one that Peter would always nudge and say, hey, 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 ask, ask Jesus what he meant by that. And yeah, you were the one who was at the cross who Jesus gave charge over his own mother. Yeah, yeah, he did give you that responsibility. 
You had all those experiences, but, but you don't know more than I do. And you're not going to stop me from doing what I want to do in the church. I don't know. Something like that. It reminds me of Miriam and Aaron. Do you remember Miriam and Aaron as they opposed Moses? you remember that story? That incident in Numbers chapter 12? God had used Moses greatly and his own brother and sister, they began to grumble. Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. That's a bad thing. And the Lord heard it. The Lord then proceeded to tell them that although prophets, usually they receive the message from God through a vision, through a dream. But he goes to tell them what, actually I speak to Moses face to face. Do you remember what happened to Miriam? She became leprous. And it was only after Moses prayed for her and she was put out of the camp because she was unclean for a week that God healed her. It was only after that week that God healed her. But yeah, he questioned those God has given authority to and here a prophet. But in John, you know, just like Miriam and, and Aaron, Diotrephes wanted to be the leader. He didn't acknowledge where it says our authority. He didn't acknowledge John's authority as an apostle. He gets a letter of recommendation as he, they send letters of recommendation for these ministers. They wouldn't receive it because he wants to run the show. He wants to be the boss. He wants to tell everybody what to do. And then what happens when you become, you become the head man and you see someone else as a threat to your authority and your position, what do you do? You trash them. And that's what happens. Look at verse 10. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing. He says, I'm not going to handle this in pen and paper. When I get there, we'll, we'll deal with it face to face. Talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refused to welcome the brothers and also stops those who wants to and puts them out of the church. Talking wicked nonsense. We're traveling to Georgia, about a seven-hour trip, you know. So I'm going to use that today. Kids will start bickering. You're talking wicked nonsense. You need to stop. Yeah, he's trashing John and those other leaders in the church. In fact, those that wouldn't listen to him, he would put them out of the church. Not only do you, you don't need to do this, but if you don't listen to me, then I'll put you out of the church. So that's enough ego for one day, right? kind of guy kind of aggravates us. Let's move on to Demetrius, verse 11 and 12, the third guy here. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Evil, thinking of who? Diotrephes, right? Don't imitate that guy. There's other people that we can imitate, and that being Demetrius. We never advance the truth if we undermine it by the way we act. If you're haughty, if you're proud, if you're arrogant, if you put your interest above others. It deters the work of the gospel. And some may have been looking at Diotrephes and thinking, well, you know, he's a leader. He's an up-and-coming guy. 
He's pretty charismatic. He's pretty persuasive. He's calling the shots. He's, he's somebody, but he rejected the apostolic authority. He's promoting himself, right? He's not to be imitated. Don't imitate that person. But John affirms Demetrius. And most likely he's the messenger. He's the one who's carrying the letter. And he's described there in verse 12. He's received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. I think that's what, what referring there, he's, he's passed the character test. Everybody speaks well of him in the church. They have good things to say about him, his character. But also, and from the truth himself, but he also, he passes a theological test as well. He's a pretty sharp guy. He holds to the truth, right? He lives out the gospel, and the gospel has had an effect on his life. And then what does John do? John gives his stamp of approval on him as well. And his name, Demetrius, his name is a testimony of God's grace. Anybody know what your name means? Yeah, I don't. Some people do. I, I don't. My name's Michael Shane Hartsfield. I don't know what any of those things mean. And it may be something good. I'm sure it is. I'm, my parents would have named me something stupid, right? But back in the day, a lot of their names, they had meaning, right? I know you go to Gatlinburg, right, and you get the keychain, and it'll tell you what the names mean. I don't even know if that stuff's true or not. I wouldn't believe it, you know? Demetrius, what does his name mean? His name means de devoted to Demeter, who was the, a god, an idol, a false god, right? So most likely, Demetrius was not a name that Jewish or Christian parents would have given their son. Their names meant more then than they probably do now. So most likely, Demetrius was a Gentile who was born into a pagan house, but yet, what's he doing here? Look at verse 7 and 8. It talks about those going out for the sake of the name. That's what Demetrius has done. He's gone out, Bryson, for the sake of God's name, to give God's name, to give God glory, to bring fame to his name. He goes out and he's delivering this letter to this church. In verse 11 there, similar to 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Don't follow men who want preeminence. If someone's jockeying for position, right, don't imitate those guys, but imitate, imitate folks like Demetrius, who is not only has a good character, but... I also, John says, have given my stamp of approval upon him. He's gone out for the sake of the name. Look at verse 13 and 15 as we close. This is just the, the closing. He says, I have much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. And he says that in verse 10, right? I'm gonna, when I come, I'm going to deal with this issue, issue with diatrophies. I hope to see you soon and we'll talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. There are some things we don't deal with, right? We don't handle over the phone or via text or Instagram or email, right? We've all probably been burned by that, right? Some things we just deal with face-to-face. -face. There's some wisdom in that. All right, application. What do we do with this? Third letter. Third epistle of John. 
I think firstly, just to ask you, which of these men do you identify with? You identify with any? Gaius is faithful, walking in the truth, giving joy to his, his uh, shepherd, being hospitable, right? Loving the brothers. What about diatrophies? You got a little, a little full of yourself lately? Thinking too highly of yourself, thinking only of yourself? We all struggle with that sometimes, don't we? Wanting to be first, putting his own interest above others. It's easy to, to let happen. You get a little authority, you get a little um, power. That's the thing about communism. Karl Marx, pretty genius fella. Had a neat kind of idea, the whole utopian thing. The problem is we're, we're all sinful people. You give a sinful person the authority, what does he do? He takes care of his own, the detriment of others, right? Yeah, we have a tendency to, we get a little authority to use that for our own advantage and not for the good of everybody else. What about Demetrius? Can it be said you have a good testimony from everyone? And have you passed the character test and the theology exam as well? Secondly, I think we can't neglect to support those that are propagating the gospel. And we have a, a way of doing missions here. We have partners, and we, we take up those offering. And it's usually the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And all that money goes to fund those that are in foreign countries doing the work, Southern Baptist. And we cooperate, and we're doing that. We take ours up in January because y'all buy too much stuff for your kids for Christmas to take it up at Christmas time. So we do it later. But we'll do that in January, the whole month of January. We'll take up this offering, and we've always, um, we're a very benevolent church. But we'll have an opportunity to do that. And then in late spring, early summer, we'll, we'll take up the Annie Elmstrong money, and that goes to those North American missionaries, Southern Baptist missionaries. They're planting churches like Dave and Rivers Parton, right? Adam and Andy, we support them through Lottie Moon. Yeah, we support them, and so let's let's support them and meet the needs they have, and we do a great job of doing that. Um, maybe by way of application, let me just ask you again, revisit the question I asked uh, previously. Do you have joy in your life? Are you, can you say you're experiencing joy because of the work you're seeing being done and those you're spending your life and energy and timing? Are there people that you're pouring into and discipling and helping and encouraging and praying for, laboring for. As you see those grow, there's joy. So I'll ask you again, if there's no one in your life, there should be someone younger, if not in age, and just maturity in the Lord, that you're able to help in some way. Has God placed anybody in your life that you can minister to and mentor? And Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a classmate or a colleague at work. Fourthly, remember a, a strong personality that does a good leader make isn't always true. Diotrephes was a strong personality, but it went badly, didn't it? We have to be careful, right? We don't want to be prideful. Power grabbers, be careful folks like that, but not only was he Arrogant, Diotrephes was opposing the truth. 
He opposed the apostles. We have to be careful of folks like that. And I think we'll always have good and bad examples among us, right? I know it, when we send our kids to, to school, we're always afraid that they're going to be influenced in a bad way, and, and rightly so. But there's always bad kids, right? But there's a good ones too. Let's find somebody good to imitate, right, to emulate. You, you Children, students, you have people here, um, young adults here who love the Lord, people that you can emulate. You know, your younger kids, you have students that are, we have really some great kids in our church that love the Lord. Some of them are spiritual leaders in their home. Yeah, there's kids that we can find, that we can find to emulate. And lastly, and we'll close with this. Think about Demetrius, and he's got this name that no doubt he was a pagan child, but God had changed him. The gospel had changed this man. And now he's going out for the sake of the name. What about you? Have you been changed by the power of the gospel? We're born at enmity with God, right? You want to you have it your way. We're all born that way. That's the way we live our lives. Until, by God's grace, we hear the gospel. And for many here, maybe not all, but for many of us, We've heard the gospel, and the gospel has opened our eyes and ears, spiritual ears and eyes, and we've recognized our sin, that we're sinners and that we're in rebellion against God, and we deserve his worst. But the gospel story is such that it tells us that Jesus, God, took on flesh and was given the name Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. The great thing about deity becoming humanity is that he was able to walk this earth for those 33 some odd years never disobeying the Father. And the great thing about that is Caden is that record that perfect record we have to have that in order to know God. See we're sinful we're in enmity with God we can't have a relationship with him but Jesus died a, a terrible death. And when he, he died that physical death, there was the wrath of the Father was poured out upon him. The wrath that sinners deserve was poured out upon Jesus. And Jesus died and he was buried. And on the third day, he rose. And the Bible says he rose for our justification so we could be made right with God. And justification, just as if I'd never sinned. No, just as if you'd always obeyed. Because now, if you repent and turn from your sin and repent and, and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own, that perfect record, it's imputed to you. It's given to you. And that's what we have. To, all of us have to have. We can't have a relationship with the Father. The holy, righteous, just Father, we can't approach Him unless we have that perfect record. It only comes if we repent and we trust Christ's work on the cross as our own. He gives us His righteousness as we repent. And we can draw near. We don't draw, Cody, it's not like this timid thing. No, we draw boldly to the throne because of what Christ has done for us. I don't come to the Father and God, God, I've been good today. I've been good today. So I go and ask you a lot of things that I need. No, we approach the Father because of what Christ has done. 
has that happen in your life? Demetrius, it seems like Demetrius has had this life change. He's going out for the sake of the name. He's been changed by the power of the gospel. Have you been, cha have you been changed by the power of the gospel? And are you going out for the sake of the name? Right? Are you living for the Lord? Repentance means you, you're not living for you and you turn and you're living for Christ. Have you been born again? Have you placed your faith and trust in Christ? If not, by way of application, that's what you need to do. You need to obey the Lord. Summarize Jesus' teachings. Repent and believe. And when you repent and believe, your life has changed. And then, and only then, can you go out for the sake of the name.